1: You are my protector. Mm-hmm. And-
0: You're listening to what a word from the lord radio show good evening we have around the world listening to this radio broadcast stevie b's media production presents what a word from the lord radio show i'm your host stevie r butler and this radio show is being broadcast from stevie b media productions at the carolina studio in the great state of north carolina ladies and gentlemen we are just grateful for the privilege we to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. Or you can type in your search bar, send me an email. It's my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you may call Stevie Bees Media Production Studio at 910-491-6405. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts or my guests on this radio show. Now again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating the congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now folks, you're tuning in to What A Word from the Lord, radio show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord, radio show. We have a special edition on the broadcast this evening, every fourth Tuesday of the month. We have my co-host, Kelly Fletcher. She serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana, and you're really going to enjoy what you're hearing from Kelly. She has a variety of guests and topics that they're dealing with on her show. I really love her platform because it's something different that we don't really get to hear. So I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, Kelly on this evening's broadcast. All right, Kelly, it's all yours.
2: This is Terry Jackson, and you're listening to a talk with my sisters on What a Word from the Lord radio show. Thank you, Brother Stevie, and good evening to our listening audience tonight. Uh, my name is Kelly Fletcher. I'm a member of the Livingstone Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana. And you're listening to A Talk with My Sisters on What a Word from the Lord radio show. As always, I'm thankful to God for allowing us to share another conversation that will encourage, inspire, educate, and help our listeners to improve spiritually, mentally, and physically. During the month of October, we did a segment on domestic violence a pandemic within a pandemic. After the show, both Tina Fox and I received messages that there should be a part two. So I am truly grateful for the feedback that we received, knowing that the segment was helpful to, to our listeners. Uh, I'm also thankful for my guest this evening, Daisy Watlington Mars. She is a survivor, praise God. <laughs> of domestic violence, and is here to share a bit of her story. Our prayer is that the information she provides will be helpful for someone in our listening audience. Welcome, Daisy, and thank you so much for being a part of tonight's show. Can you please introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do?
3: Yes, good evening, Kelly, and thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest on your show. My name is Daisy from watlington Mars. Uh, And I am from Indianapolis, Indiana. I am a member of Zion Hope Church. I am a nurse by profession. I founded a ministry, um, A Way Out Ministries Incorporated, in 1999 after surviving domestic violence. The Lord kind of laid that on my heart. Um, And also, I just released a book in August, August, actually, Um, my first book. Uh, which on Sunday I found out won a national award. So I'm very excited about that. Yay! Yes.
2: Yes. yes,
1: very, yes. Exciting.
2: <laughs> very exciting. Very exciting. was it was a very helpful and informative book, too.
3: Yes.
1: So I, And I yes. thank
2: you so much for being here tonight. My pleasure. Um, thank you. Well, what we'll do is go ahead and jump into the questions. And um, as I mentioned to you before, I'll, I'll – Try to do it in four phases. Um, okay. So, starting with your childhood, I understand you grew up in an in an abusive environment. How old were you when you began to witness abuse?
3: Okay, so that that's a, that's a really tricky question because I was actually kind of born into the abuse. So it kind of kind of twofold. Um, yes, abused ma'am. by my father, and then I saw abuse from my father with my mother. So it's kind of twofold. So depending on what you want to talk about first, I can talk about the abuse from my mom, or I can talk about how my father abused me. I'll let you clarify. Okay. Okay,
2: Let's um, first talk about the abuse you witnessed, and then let's talk about the abuse from your father. Okay.
3: So I don't remember how old I was. I do remember when it I was probably as young as three, and I'm sure it happened before then. So I witnessed my father abusing my mom. And we were from a small town called Cadiz, Kentucky, and um, my mother's brother was always around to help her. But, you know, as time went on, um, we moved to here to Indianapolis, Indiana, and my mother was no longer able to have assistance from her brother, so the abuse got worse. So I was very young when I started witnessing the abuse from him. He was very, very violent towards my mother in, in front of us, in front of the young children, so he didn't even care about that. Uh, and even at the point to where I witnessed um, my mother being shot by my father. Uh, mm. And I do not remember or recall the exact age, but I know I was under six years old when that occurred. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay, um, and what about the abuse that you received?
3: Now, the abuse that I received is, is kind of kind of different, um, right. and I described right. that um, in my book about when I was born, my father immediately denied me as a child based on the color of my skin. Um, I'm light-skinned, right. which is very rare, or the light-skinned ones, so to speak, to be rejected uh, in our mm-hmm. nationality, right? But because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we are from the South, we're from the South, and slavery was so dominant back then, the white race um, was the one who held my family in slavery. So my father was against them, even though his father was of mixed race. Uh, his, wow. you know, of mixed race, and he even had a sister who was my skin color. So he automatically, because I was a, a lighter skin color, thought that I was a child of another man, a white man. So he rejected me mm. at a very early age, because my oldest sister, I had a, one sister that was older than me, and she was uh, dark skinned, his color. And that was his favorite wow. child. So favoritism right. started very early uh, in terms of my father rejected me from birth. So I was Born into what I call mental abuse at a very young girl, a young age.
2: Right, right. So, yeah. you also experienced abuse. Well, and you just mentioned it, uh, but it was mental instead of physical. So, how, correct, correct. What type of mental abuse, or or how so?
3: I like to talk, I like to call that uh, different stages of abuse because uh, mm-hmm. there was uh, favoritism, there was abandonment. Um, he was mentally abusive to me based on how he treated me towards my older sister and even how he talked to me compared to my older sister. He showed her the love that she needed, but he rejected me. I would also be found to get in trouble a lot by my father. Um, really when I didn't really do anything. Anything that I did caused him to be angry. I think just my presence alone, um, caused mm. my father to be really angry with me. So he didn't have a problem with showing the love to my older sister than me. So the mental abuse started very early, you know, and which caused my self esteem to be really, really low. Um Right. But, you know, I don't even think he even cared. He didn't care, actually, because it went on until I, until he passed away. So he didn't care how he made me feel. Uh, he wanted me to see that he loved my older sister better than he loved me. So be, mental abuse attached itself to me early, even though at that age I didn't know what it was. It wasn't until I got older that I understood the difference in how he, you know, he treated me compared to my older sibling. Gotcha. So it started really, really okay.
2: early. Yeah. Okay. So eventually um, your mom left, leaving yes. you and your siblings with your father. Yes. So why why did she leave and did she ever return?
3: Okay, so I, I, I think I, you know, I love to praise my mom right now, and I like to praise anybody who finds the strength to walk out the door from abuse. So why she right. left was because she was being abused so much, that she went to go find us another place to stay. What we didn't understand or realize, because we were three young girls, I had two other siblings that was under the age of seven at the time. We didn't know where she went. She decided that right. the abuse was just too much, and it was time to go. It was time to move on. So she she left. She left the house, and we as young girls was left in that house with our father at the time, not knowing where she went. Okay.
2: And she eventually returned.
3: She did. She returned um, with the police. <laughs> she returned okay. with the police. Yeah, <laughs> right, she. It, right. You know, and that's another bold step. Um, to even back then, back in the '60s, because that's when it was to show up with the police officers to your door to remove your children out of an abusive situation. So she was bold enough right. even in her early 20s to even make that move coming from the country. You never hear right. about that. You never hear about women stepping up towards their husband because the man always was the head of the household. The women stayed right. home and the men worked, right? So for right. It, for her to even do that in her early 20s to say I've had enough and show back up at the house with. The police to remove us was a major step for her, major.
2: Yes,
1: ma'am,
2: yes. So uh, you asked a question in your book, mm-hmm. and it bears asking now. Okay. What The question was, what does a toxic environment such as domestic violence teach young girls and children?
3: Mm, that's a that's a really good question too and when i really thought about it when i was writing it because even back then the term domestic violence who knew about it nobody even knew about that term back then you know what Uh i mean so it's Uh like we're in the toxic relationships at a very young age we know what that was what was it what does that environment teach us it teaches us to only know what we know we see what Uh we see and we tend to repeat what we see so the environment is so you tend to think that that's how life should be. You know, you think until you know better that you will, you know, do that generational curse because ultimately we follow in that footstep. We follow in the footstep of what we see in our homes. So if we see something wow. toxic, we're going to pick it up and we're going to think that's acceptable, especially if it goes on for a long period of time, which mine did. It went on from, like I said, from birth until she decided to leave. But it went even further. It went further from the time she left my father because she kept repeating that cycle of abuse with the men that she met. So the the toxic environment continues. So it makes you think that this is somehow how life should be. So it teaches you all the wrong things when you're living in a toxic environment.
2: Right. Okay. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Let's let's move on to your teenage years. Yeah. So, it was in your teenage years that you met your abuser. Correct. Uh, and you later realized his pursuit of you was actually a red flag. Correct. What what yeah. was that red flag, or what were the red flags?
3: Okay, so the red flag. Let's step back just a little bit because I saw him when I was in the 8th grade. He he saw me when I was in the 8th grade and I became a target at that very moment, not realizing that I was a target, right? So when I got to high school, I was already in his mind about somebody he was going to pursue. That Right there is a red flag It's a red flag that I did not know at the time Who knew what red flags were Right
1: Right. And right. so
3: once he started to, to pursue me uh, In my high school years I didn't know how to say no My environment growing up Put me in a situation to where I did not understand What those red flags were I didn't even know what to look for Right so it put me wow. in an immediate environment to say, once somebody pursues me, then how do I get away from that? I did not know how to get away from someone who was coming after me boldly, who did not care. He wanted what he wanted, and the red flags was is that he was persistent, he was manipulative, and those are the immediate red flags that we – See right off when we are approached. Because if you don't want it, you don't want it. If you don't want the advancement, you don't want the advancement. That means people should stop, right? Right. So right. if they don't stop, then those are red flags. They're immediate right. red flags. Because they'll put you in a situation to where you really can't get out of. Or sometimes, I didn't know how to get out of it. So right. that was immediate right. for me. What I should have known at that time. But
2: something else you said uh was he didn't respect your space
3: mm, at all. Uh, and what that meant then was he was everywhere. He was everywhere yeah. I went. I did not have uh, friends at the time because he was always there in my space. If I was at work, he was there. When I went home from school, he was showing up. And that means that he was still being manipulative, right? He was still... Right. That started the controlling thing. He started trying to control who I was around, where I could go, how often I could be gone, even as a teenager. And again, because my environment as a young child uh, taught me or I saw what I saw in my environment, it set me up for the perfect victim to be manipulated at a very early age, not knowing what that was not knowing that those red flags was red flags who knew what they right. were back in the 70s because nobody really talked about them so he as, as he was pursuing i was the perfect victim to be pulled into a trap so to speak uh, mentally at that time to get pulled right into a relationship even though i did not want it even though i did not right. want it
4: right
2: Right how, how old were you when he first hit you?
3: 15 years old. And um, I was ashamed when he first hit me. And, and, you know, I was ashamed because people saw it, right? Right. right? I I don't know at that time if I was ashamed because I was being hit because I always saw it. I saw my mom getting hit. So mm-hmm. it, even throughout, like I said, after my father left, um, I saw her being hit by other men. And somehow, did that seem normal? Is this how relationships are? Are men abusive to women? And that's the question again. How, you know, these toxic environments is what, if we grow up in it, that's all we know. You only know what you know. You only learn what you know, right? And that's all I know. So at 15 years old, when I was first hit, I started protecting the person who was abusing me. Not knowing that, yeah. that that's what I was because I immediately was like, I called my friend up and I'm like, don't tell nobody what happened. So what am I doing? I'm protecting the person who hit me, right?
2: Exactly. Right.
3: Yes. But not realizing that other people saw him hit me. Right. So, again, right. I'm not thinking about myself being injured. I am only thinking about that Perpetrator, and I like to say, "What do they are? They're perpetrators at the time." Exactly. That I would, and I started protecting him, so I automatically started giving him, at that time, permission to continue to abuse me. If that makes sense.
2: It does. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Um. One more question before we uh, go to break. Um, Okay. There were signs. That you were being abused mm. uh, as a teenager. What what were some of those signs?
3: Some of the signs was I was isolated, and I kind of touched it based on that. When he he kept me from the friends, he kept me from the normal high school things because he started controlling my time. He was always right. there, even though my mother tried to get him away. He would always find his way back, and that's what they do. They always find yeah. their way back. So you see those signs early on, the manipulation that starts messing with your psyche, you know, start keeping you from uh, your friends, the jealousy that stepped in, or just controlling you, period. So those are right. the signs that actually were there from the beginning. But, Kelly, I had no idea what those signs were, Right. Because I can always go back to where I saw all of those things happening from childhood on up into my high school years because my mother was still being abused. So I continually saw those things that was going on. But what what were the signs? I had no idea what those signs were at that time. But, you know, looking back now that I can talk about it, the signs are always there. They they are controlling. They're manipulated. They want to isolate you from friends. They don't. They want to. Who's on the telephone? They they want that space. You are who they think about constantly, and that is when the controlling starts. That is when the cycle wow. of abuse starts.
2: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I think there might be one more question. Um, sure. and it was right there on the tip of my tongue. Oh, boy.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> well, i tell you okay. what.
2: Since mm-hmm. I faced that one, um, let's go ahead and go to break. Okay. And um, when we come back, I want to get into the third phase. Okay. And then the fourth phase, and then get your book, uh, talk about your book.
3: We can do that. So
1: Thank
2: we'll you. go ahead and. Okay, thank you. And we'll take a break and we will be right back. Yep.
1: Fun. Lord, you'll choose even more, and if you walk on that beat, nothing enough, without your creation, can't exist, and so we take a moment and acknowledge.
4: I'm doing, even though I got down from a failing route, man,
3: I'm going to keep it moving. Every day, look myself in the face, I see all of my imperfections, but you keep calling me, taking me in a brand new direction. Oh, she's the first to say.
2: And
1: you're listening to a talk with my sister
2: on What a Word from the Lord's Radio Show. Peace and love. Thank you for rejoining us, and um thank you um for the um uh, topic that we're talking about tonight or, or for being here, Daisy. Uh, we're talking yeah, about course. domestic violence.
3: <laughs> violence.
2: Yes, ma'am. Um we're talking about domestic violence and being a survivor. Um, So let's go ahead and get into that third phase uh, of your life, and that's marriage. Sure. So you stated that you stayed long after you had lost your identity. uh, Yes. And you eventually married your abuser. Uh, What made you to – decide to marry him?
3: Um, That that goes with the cycle of abuse, Um, the cycle of what you don't know, right? You don't know or even understand that you are in a cycle. Um, You don't – and my identity was then – I lost my identity when I was 15. Actually, it was – and I can even go beyond that. I lost it when my father abandoned me. Um, right. if that makes sense. Um, who who yeah. was I? Who was I? Right. Uh, I was in a home with a father who said I was not his child, and I was in that home until I was six years old. So then, once I met the person who I end up marrying, I was already connected to someone else's identity. So I did not have my own. I was manipulated in be- in believing that. He loved me, even though in reality, I know he did not. I was manipulated in believing that anywhere I went, he was with me because he loved me. Whatever I did, he was there because he loved me. In reality, it was not. We lose who we are once we connect ourselves to someone who is what I call a narcissist. They can make you believe something that is not actually true. So my identity was long gone way before I actually got married. So marrying the person became something that should not have happened because I did not know, again, what it was. You know, right. what What was it that I was looking for? What was it that I needed? I had no idea what that was. But I was in a cycle, a continuous cycle of abuse. Because sometimes you had the good days, sometimes you had the bad days. But there was more bad days than good days. Mm. Right. But right. then you stay. Yeah.
1: Gotcha.
2: So once you moved into your new home, mm-hmm. you got worse. Yeah. Uh, you knew it's, you needed to leave for for you and your daughter because you had a daughter at that time. Correct. Why was it so difficult for you to leave?
3: At that time, uh, it was difficult because fear Started to set in, uh, and once fear take a grip on you, it's it's a whole nother level that you're on. I started hearing about um, people dying. And this is this is when domestic violence was becoming a little bit more prominent back then in the early seventies, right? You started hearing about it a little right. bit more. It started taking a name. You start the news starts showing people that were getting killed. And yeah. this put more fear in me and made me stay into the situation a little bit longer uh, in that house. Uh, I had to start trying to figure out what was it that I was trying to do. I had no idea what I was trying to do. I even forgot about the time that my mother showed up with the police officers when I was a young child to remove us. You know what I'm saying? Right. I forgot about right. that. Right. So I didn't even know what I was trying to do. All I needed, I need. Needed to get out of there I needed to leave
2: That house Right, And I appreciate you sharing that Because a lot of times Those looking on the outside They don't understand Why are you staying Why are you leaving But they don't understand What all is involved with Staying and leaving
3: Yes Uh, So I appreciate you you sharing that Yes, a lot of us even back then, we hear, what do you say? Um, yeah. And I kind of talk about that in my book because that's a question we don't understand ourselves at the time that we're going through. Because those cycles right. that occur are like honeymoon phases that we go through. You know, you have your honeymoon phase and everybody kind of have that, but the person who's going through domestic violence, the honeymoon phase turns into tragedy at some point. Some people lose their lives and some people don't. So you stay based on the fear. You stay based on once you leave, that's the most violent time for a person who leaves a situation. The person that's in that home realizes that, right? They could be financially independent on the person, which I was not. I was totally independent. I was paying all the bills. But that fear had a grip on me because I was worried Mm -hmm. about myself and my child. and, and, Believe it or not, I was even worried about the house that I had bought and paid for that I didn't want to leave, which didn't make sense. It don't make sense today, but it made sense to me yeah. back then. He should right, right. Leave, not me. Right, right, right. So my mindset was, it was in a dark place back then, if that makes sense.
2: Yes, ma'am, it does. Yeah. So at one point, you filed separation papers. Correct. You got got an order of protection against him. Yes. What was the result of you doing that?
3: Okay, so again, I stress that when you're trying to leave, that is the most dangerous time. And because of what I kept seeing on TV, and not kept seeing, but, you know, occasionally you would see um, people who attempted to leave, lose their life. I had a friend who um, I had went to high school with who – tried to leave, you know, and her husband right. was arrested. But then after he got out of the hospital, he broke into her whole house and he killed her. Again, that paralyzed mm. me. I'm like, somebody else is this too, right? So right. when I filed, I, I thought I would be just a little bit more safe, Kelly, when I filed the legal separation papers. I'm like, okay, now it's time to go. Things are getting so violent. And God starts showing me things. He starts showing me signs in my house today, you need to get up out of here. You can't right. say this is not what love is. I started to really dig deep into the word of God. And I, he started revealing, me to, revealing things to me and showing me what actually love is. And I began to understand that what I was going through and what I'd been going through all my life was not love at all. It right. was not love. Right. So then once I filed a legal separation, I was saying I'm protecting myself. At least I'm not, you know, Showing him that I'm actually going to leave, that I'm trying to work this out, but I'm tired of taking the abuse. So uh-huh. the restraining order is what I felt was safe at that time.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, on another occasion, um, he broke into your house. Yes. And he attempted to do bodily harm mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Uh but your daughter helped prevent that from happening. Correct. So, yeah, what what did she what does she do? And how was she when she did it?
3: Okay, so again, once I filed the legal separation papers, um he became angry. So when he broke into yeah. the house, um I was asleep and my daughter was asleep and uh I ended up getting stabbed in my back because and that was the result of me filing uh, the legal separation, but what my daughter did end up doing, she was six years old, and and yeah. this this wasn't even the time that I got stabbed in the back because he did it more than once. He broke into the yeah. house again, and at the the second time that he broke in, and again remind I remind you that I didn't leave the house, which was a right. mistake on my part. Um, and he broke in twice, so she ended up uh, running downstairs and calling 911 at six years old, and my daughter actually is the one who saved my life um, after that. Mm -hmm. Because after I filed for legal separation and I knew he had tried to take my life by stabbing me in the back, I'm like, okay, I need to go ahead and file for divorce. As petrified as I was, Kelly, I'm like, I have to do this. I have to try to save me and my daughter because, like I said, this is not what God intended for me to go through. He starts right. showing me. Right. He starts showing me things in that house, like Daisy. You need to go. You're looking for me. You've invited me in. Now I'm talking to you, and this is what you need to do. Because well, once we invite right. God in, then we have to start listening to Him, right? Because He's not going to come Amen. in unless we invite Him in. <laughs> so once I invited right. Him in, I created His will for me, and He starts showing me things. And it was time right. for me to go. But every time I tried to go, Satan knew he was under attack, and he knew I was, I was serious about this. And once I tried to leave, that's when it became more violent. That's when he became more right. violent. Right. Yeah. So let's go to
2: that fourth phase, surviving. Yeah. Uh, you said the end of your relationship was the beginning of you living your life rather mm-hmm. than merely existing. Mhm. How how did you get away? And and did you have a plan in place or did you just
3: leave? Okay, so um and just mind you, I was I was only surviving. I didn't even have a life. Every day was torture in that house that I lived in. So, I Blimey. didn't have a plan. I didn't even know what a plan was. All I knew if God kept talking to me, he kept saying, Daisy, you have to get you have to get out of here. You have to go. And, again, I was being stubborn. I don't want to leave this house. But I was thinking right. material things, and I was putting material things over my life. So I didn't have a plan, right? All I knew right. is I had to get out of that house finally because that house was an entrance for the person who was taking my life. God said, I keep mm-hmm. giving you an exit, but you keep going back in so in order to not lose my life at that time i had to leave that house and that was the only thing that i can think of i didn't i didn't know what i was doing all i knew is i had to do it i had to leave i had to go find another job and it was all of a spirit of moment thing but in actuality everybody should have a plan you have to have a plan in order to leave safely uh right? right you have to um Put a a, a plan in place and make sure you do everything right. Don't let everybody know what you're doing, but you have to do it cautiously. If you're still living with that person, you still have to be cautious about leaving and not letting people know what your plans are because, again, that's the most dangerous time. So, no, I didn't have a plan. I just decided because he broke into that house twice that I had to get up out of there, and God kept revealing to me that this house is not keeping you safe. So holding on right. to it ain't going to keep your, you know, ain't going to keep your life. You're going to lose your life right, right in this. time. So I had to go. So I left right. without a plan. Yes, yeah, without a plan.
2: Okay. Well, thank the Lord you got away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> abuse is uh, abuse is not something you can get out of your mind overnight.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, however, you, you eventually found peace through that journey. Right. How did you get peace, and where did you find
3: it? It was a long time before I obtained peace. In fact, um, things started happening to my body that I didn't understand because I'm like, okay, I got away. Why am I still depressed? Why am I having panic attacks? Why am I having PTSD? And what you don't realize is that until you heal, you will not find the peace that you need in order to survive outside of that house. Because even the symptoms that was attacking my body could have took my life up. My blood pressure was up. My heart was racing. You know, so it was a lot of things that I had to find uh, in order to heal and to find my peace. God kept revealing himself to me, and he kept showing mm-hmm. me things his word, what I had to do in order to heal, I had to find myself. Who was I outside wow. of the person who held me, had a hold on my mind, so to speak. He had a mental hold on my mind for years. And, again, my mind was controlled by other people. So I had to find out who I was, who God said I was. I was a child wow. of God. Who did God say I was in order to, for me, To find peace through the journey That I was going through And it was a long journey Because it wasn't me by myself It was me and my daughter So I had to help her find that peace as well I had to help her mentally heal Even though I did not realize at the time That she was more affected mentally than I was Because as a child You can't cope And you don't understand what's going on, right? So until you can heal yourself And heal your children If they're with you And I advise people to get counseling. Until you can do that, you will never have peace in your journey. And I don't care how long you've been out of a domestic violence relationship, you will not heal. You will take that, and I call that baggage, into another relationship until you find out who you are. Who are you outside of the person that had a hold on your mind? Learn who you are. Love yourself before you connect with someone else. And that's how I eventually start finding peace
2: through the journey. Amen, amen. What I what I want to do, I want to uh, talk about your book cuz I know our time is is winding up. Right. So, you've written a book and you recently won an award, so congratulations Ooh, yeah. on that.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes.
2: So, um Give us some information what's the what's the title of the book um, and please share with us the or, or talk about the award uh, that you won
3: sure the the book is called Woman to Woman," and I titled it that because it's like I want to have a personal one on one conversation with whoever picks up this book and reads them to read the book. Right. I want to share with that reader my story then I want to educate that reader through the chapters of the book based on what God wants us to do, what we are to look for in relationships according to the word of God. Domestic violence, a wrong turn in life, means that if we choose to do things without God, we're destined to go wrong. We are going to make a wrong turn no matter what, right? Because if we step out on our own and we don't look for guidance in his word, then we don't know what we're doing or we don't know what we're getting ourselves into. So until we do that, then we can get on the right path. We can get on the path where God directs our path, right? It's almost like I kind of talk about using a a GPS as, as an example. You go that wrong path and just like a GPS, you can steer yourself right and you can go the right way. So domestic violence, a wrong turn in life, there's nothing right about domestic violence. There's nothing right about getting into a relationship with someone who does not love you, someone who mentally abuses you, spiritually abuses you, uh, any kind of abuse whatsoever does not love you. They only think about themselves. So this book right here is to help guide you through um, whatever you're going through, your journey, and help you out of a domestic violence situation. That's what this was
2: is. Right. And, and with the award um, Go
3: ahead.
2: Yes, go ahead. Go right ahead.
3: hmm And with the award, my publisher, Danola Burton, of uh, Enhanced DNA Publishing, she's awesome. Uh if anybody wants to write a book and who's looking I'm not trying to promote her, but she is really awesome. And so what she did was, um, she sent my book out of state. And Books came in from around the world. Mm-hmm. Judges read these books and they choose um the finalists and they choose the winners. Uh out of thousands of books, my book was a finalist and I got an award wow. for this. Yeah, so thank the uh Lord. Well, thank the Lord because you know, <laughs> his purpose is for people to get healing through this book. When I started to wow. write this book I was like mm I'm too shamed to put my story out there, Kelly. I was like, I can't do it but if I have a ministry to help victims out of an abusive relationship, I cannot be ashamed to tell my story. I told it in pieces. But I right. did not feel comfortable enough and I was too embarrassed to say, This is what happened to me right? right. So I right. had got Daisy. Unless you put this in writing, you can't fully do your purpose, the purpose of what I have you doing, to help people find their way out of their abusive relationship. So that's what this book is about and that the award that comes with this book lets me know that people will receive healing from this book.
2: Amen. And and where can um, our listeners uh, purchase that book?
3: They can go right on Amazon and they can um, purchase Woman to woman domestic violence a wrong turn in life um it's, it's on amazon it's on the ebook as well um okay. it's 99 the ebook is four ninety nine um and i think it's it's a it's a wonderful book it's an educational book Idiot. Uh,
2: Idiot. it is yeah. it
3: is it, yeah yeah it's very educational and uh, it's the people when i get reviews back on it that's how much they Receive the help and how they have to pass This book on to people in order To encourage and help other people
2: Right Yeah. And uh, you also mentioned That you have uh, A ministry that you started here In Indianapolis. Indianapolis What is it called yeah. again?
3: It's called the Way Out Ministries Incorporated And it's the acronym for it. It's all women and youngsters of unprovoked tragedies I woke up one morning With a way out on my mind And God kept telling me even when I was going through my domestic violence situation, a way out. He kept saying a way out. And like I said earlier, that he said, I kept giving you a way out, but he kept going back. He kept going back. So one day he woke me up with a way out in my heart. And I got up. And just, like I said, it was back in 1999 that um, a way out was established. And it's, um, it's a nonprofit. Uh, here in the state of Indiana, but he said, I will take you outside of the state of Indiana. And now that I see that he's talking about this book, he's going outside of the state of Indiana. So he always have a purpose for us that we don't understand until we do what he tells us to do, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So uh, a way I uh, provide resources for um, uh, victims or survivors of domestic violence, I find myself going into homes of people that have lost loved ones. Um, in order to help them um, through their tragedy. Um,
2: okay. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, mm-hmm. I know, our, uh, like I said, our time is winding up, but I, I truly, truly thank you, uh, Daisy, for being a guest yeah, uh, on tonight's show. Thank um, you for I having Thank you for being transparent and for sharing your story. Uh, I'm sure that... Um, it is inspiring for for those who might be listening and that are trying trying to get out uh I encourage, to find their way out
3: yes i encourage anybody to um not be embarrassed about what they're going through talk to people let people know and i and i and i thought it's, it's time is almost up but i found that oh, you're fine. People only know what you're going through if you share it with someone you trust. If you don't right. share it, no, feel free to say, I need help. I need to get out right. of this. This is not healthy for me. And if you have children, it's not healthy for your children. Don't right. wait until right. it's too late. Don't wait until right. it's too late.
2: That's right. Thank you yeah. so much for that. Yeah. Um, to To our listeners, if you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, there are resources available to help. Yeah. Uh, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or the National Dating Abuse Helpline yeah. at 866-331-9474. If you want more information on domestic violence, please visit the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence website at n as in Nancy, c a, d as in David, v as in Victor dot org. Um, if you would like a copy of uh, Daisy's book, Woman to uh, Woman to Woman: Domestic Violence, a Wrong Turn in Life. Um, please go on Amazon and you will be able to purchase that book, and it can also be purchased on e-book. Um, I just, again, I want to thank the Lord for this opportunity uh, to share another important conversation um, with you and with our audience. Um, Thank you to Brother Stevie Butler for allowing a talk with my sisters to be a part of What a Word from the Lord radio show. And again, to you, I can't thank you enough. Thank you and praise God for your continued strength, uh, Daisy, your courage, yes. the education, information on such an important topic. Uh, I pray you. that it has been beneficial to those who are listening. Uh, if you would like to be a, a guest on future shows, please feel free to email me at sisters all one word, at gmail.com. That's atalkwm sisters at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll now turn it over to Brother Steven.
4: Thank you so much. You are listening to What a Word
0: from the Lord Radio Show.
4: It's time. The storm. Well, it brought me down to my knees. And I pray, Father, please,
0: have
4: mercy, Lord, because I'm almost dead. And every morning when I would
1: rise,
4: I did not think I could face another day, but I made 'Cause you said me, my, 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 my dear
1: friend.
4: Yeah, oh, she when I needed faith, God it fed. Jesus'
1: said.
4: Don't pray for tomorrow Cause it may never come Don't worry about the next day Cause all you've got is this one
1: Oh,
4: when you call You've got to ask him For your love.
1: God will give you your daily
4: ration enough to make it through the day when you need. got to stay in prayer daily for strength, for courage. And get up. That's the key. You've got to get up.
0: radio show episode 217 you're listening to what a word from the Lord radio show